is Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by America's beverage companies. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, AI's impact on white-collar workers and why Democrats can't agree on private equity. But first, escalating tensions and violence in Hong Kong. So yesterday, the U.S. Senate did something almost unheard of in these hyperpartisan times. It passed something on a unanimous vote. This was the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which is more than just a public statement of support for political protest. This bill would ban the export of certain crowd control equipment to Hong Kong police forces, including tear gas, pepper spray, stun guns, and rubber bullets. This move, this vote, could further complicate White House trade talks with Beijing, which continues to view the protesters as little more than rioting students, although it has steered clear of military intervention. It also could threaten Hong Kong's status as a global financial hub because the U.S. State Department would be forced to certify annually that Hong Kong retains enough autonomy to qualify for special trading partner status. All of this comes amidst alarmingly increased violence in Hong Kong, including the death of one student protester and the stabbing of a pro-Beijing lawmaker. In short, things are only getting worse, not better, in a city that was once viewed as a beacon of peace and prosperity, not a geopolitical hotspot. So in 15 seconds, we'll try to break it all down with Axios World Editor David Lawler. But first, this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Our plastic bottles are 100% recyclable, including the caps. We're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at everybottleback.org. We're joined now by Axios World Editor David Lawler. These protests began nearly six months ago, originally over a proposed extradition bill that's since been scrapped. What is it that the protesters now want, or, or is it mostly a legal mulligan for their past protests? They have a list of demands, a lot of which are tied to what has happened during the protest. So they want an inquiry into police brutality. There's a series of steps they would like to see in terms of treatment of people who've been arrested in the protests. But underlying all of that is this idea that they want universal sovereignty in Hong Kong. Basically, right now, there are sham elections in Hong Kong where Beijing-backed lawmakers get in they want to see genuine elections, and that is a line that, that obviously Beijing has showed no interest in crossing. Give me a sense of the scene right now. I mean, is the, are these protests fairly isolated in, in the sense of, you know, kind of constrained to certain neighborhoods? Is it something citywide? Give me a sense of if you're in Hong Kong, are you definitely seeing this? So you have seen it, right? I mean, we have seen pepper spray go up in Central in the business district in Hong Kong recently, but the most dramatic scenes have been on university campuses in recent days, and specifically this place Poly U, the Polytechnic University in Hong Kong. That is where you've had some more hardcore protesters and other, you know, perhaps more peaceful protesters hold up in there. The place has been surrounded by police, and these protesters have essentially decided because they know if they leave and get arrested, they could face 10 years in prison, that they were going to, you know, essentially fight it out. They were throwing Molotov cocktails. There were really chaotic, violent scenes. 
outside of that university, you had actually students rappel down off of a bridge and onto waiting motorcycles to escape from this scene. It's been really dramatic. That has been, you know, that has involved perhaps a thousand protesters rather than the two million we saw on the street months ago. The resolution to that is that most of the protesters surrendered and were arrested. Some tried to escape through the sewers, but gave up on that. It was really, really chaotic over the last couple of days at this university. When you and I talked about this on a past show a couple months ago, I think, we talked about the prospect of Beijing truly directly intervening, you know, boots on the ground. Hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. Are you surprised by that? And, and either way, why do you think it hasn't happened yet? Yeah, so that was around this 70th anniversary ceremony of the communist rule in China. That was viewed as something that the Chinese were desperate not to have kind of counter-programmed in Hong Kong with protests there. They did not end up cracking down directly during those protests, and obviously they have not done so. We did see there's a garrison on Hong Kong of Chinese troops, and they did go out onto the street to help pick up debris recently. That was viewed as kind of a signal that, hey, we're here. I was a bit surprised initially, but I've since talked to smart people who have told me I shouldn't be surprised for a few reasons. One, China views that as something that would only play into the West's narrative if they were to crack down directly on these protesters. You know, obviously you would have outrage around the world, and right now they have some sort of distance, at least, you know, officially from what's happening in Hong Kong. Around that same time when we had that last conversation, uh, and this is a business thing, but Alibaba, the huge Chinese e-commerce company, had been planning to do a big share listing, kind of one of the biggest of all time in Hong Kong, and it decided not to, because at the time it said there was just too many questions uh, about Hong Kong as a financial hub and stability and violence, etc. Yesterday it actually did the offering. It, it delayed it, but yesterday it did it, raised about $11 billion. What do we take kind of as for right now where Hong Kong stands kind of in terms of being a financial hub? Because that's really the city's claim to fame from an economic standpoint. Is there stability now or did Alibaba just say, you know what, this is how things are. We're going ahead anyway. So that's kind of representative of it. And this is anecdotal, but I've been reading the reporting uh, around this. And a lot of firms have said, basically, we have an exit plan to leave Hong Kong. We don't want to use it because we don't necessarily like the alternatives, right? If you want access to the Chinese market uh, and you also want a real legal system and, and protections, Hong Kong has historically been a pretty good place to be, and a lot of companies have decided it's still the best place for them at the moment. I mean, the economy in Hong Kong was in technical recession last quarter. There has been a big hit. Unemployment is up. Uh, These protests have been very disruptive. But in terms of long-term planning, we haven't seen the kinds of shifts away from Hong Kong as a financial center that some people have predicted. What's the impact of the bill the Senate passed yesterday? I know it still has to go to the House for reconciliation then be signed by Trump. But assuming those things happen, the House had already passed its own version of it. Is it purely a messaging thing or is there a tangible impact from it? I think the messaging matters. I mean, uh, unanimous is something you don't hear much of, and it was unanimous. There's been a relatively strong bipartisan consensus on Capitol Hill that a signal needs to be sent to China that there are lines it can't cross. Obviously, there are political ramifications or there are effects for Trump, who has basically made clear he cares more about getting a trade deal with China than human rights concerns or than what's happening in Hong Kong. So he'll have a decision to make if this goes to his desk. It's hard to see him vetoing something that has near unanimous support in both chambers. That's a complication for him. You mentioned the bipartisan support, and I I can't help but think that China is going to at some point fire back at this and say something along the lines of when there are protests in the U.S., particularly, say, anti-police protests like Black Lives Matter, and there's any sort of violence, you know, 
anything, a can or something thrown at police. U.S. politicians, particularly Democrats, don't stand for that very quickly and will say, look, they're throwing Molotov cocktails at us from at our police from the university. You're hypocrites. Do they have a point? Yeah, I mean, so a, a couple of things on that. One, I think we will see, certainly in propaganda, the idea that this is Western-backed, what's happening here. Uh, and there's some evidence that perhaps China believes that. There's an account that came out yesterday from a local worker in the British consulate in Hong Kong who said that he was brutally interrogated for information on you know, British involvement here, which is a sense of paranoia that, that seeps through. Now, that, that account is not verified, but it's certainly being taken seriously in London. And yeah, I mean, China does fire back and say, basically, you know, look at what's happening in your country right now. How can you stand here and tell us that we don't know how to take care of our population here? So, you know, <laughs> there's certainly no comparison to political rights in China, certainly on the mainland versus how they exist here in the U.S. But I have heard people say basically that the less the U.S. projects itself as a beacon for democracy, sort of the stronger the argument becomes on the Chinese side. David Lawler, editor of Axios World Newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. My final two right after this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Not all plastic is the same. Our 100% recyclable plastic bottles and caps are made to be remade. And we want every bottle back so that our bottles can become new bottles and not end up in oceans, rivers, and beaches. That's why we're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at everybottleback.org. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a new paper from DC think tank Brookings, which suggests that AI and machine learning will displace more white collar jobs than previously predicted. So the industries most at risk, digital services like software publishing and computer system design, plus professional services like purchasing. And the cities that could be most affected are tech hubs like San Jose, California, Seattle, Salt Lake City, and Boulder, Colorado. As Brookings's Mark Mura writes, quote, AI will be as central to the white collar office environment as robotics has been to the production economy. They'll fundamentally change what work is and what humans do, and no one gets a free pass. Finally, in yesterday's show, we mentioned how the House Financial Services Committee would hold a hearing on private equity, which has been under increasing rhetorical pressure from progressive Democrats. It happened, but was mostly a dud. And trust me, I watched all three or four hours of the thing. Republicans predictably came out in strong defense of the asset class, often talking about successful private equity-backed businesses in their own home districts. They asked almost zero critical questions, nor any of a witness who had been a 20-year employee of Toys R Us before losing her job when the company went under. Some Democrats, of course, were much more critical, uh, generally via questions on private equity's role in retail and for-profit health care. But plenty of them also did the same dance about successful in-district private equity plays. And a couple even talked about how private equity enabled their own career success in the private sector. In short, with zero Republican support and only mixed Democratic support, it's hard to see how legislation like Senator Elizabeth Warren's Stop Wall Street Looting Act could ever become law. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National Peanut Butter Fudge Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.